this podcast, Heather Zetterberg, Chair of Lower School Math, speaks to parents about the math curriculum in kindergarten. My name is Heather Zetterberg. This is my 15th-ish year uh, here at Foot School as the Lower School Math Specialist. So my primary responsibility is teaching students and really working with the curriculum and working with teachers and guiding teachers in kindergarten through fifth grade. Um, just a few logistical types of things. First of all, if you need to use the restroom, it's down the stairs here at the bottom of the staircase to the left. And second, if you need to get up for any reason, please don't hesitate to do so. Teachers are very comfortable with a lot of movement and we don't take movement personally. So please feel free to get up if you need to leave early. By all means, I understand. I really appreciate you for being here for what is definitely the most important part and that's being with the children in the classrooms. My hope is to end at about 9.15, 9.20, but if you need to leave early, no worries at all. We are doing a podcast of this, so that way you, if you have to leave midway through, you'll be able to access it uh, later on next week. You'll be sent an email. Um, the other thing is that all the games that you played with your children in the classroom this morning are in an envelope that will be sent home today. So for example, the directions for trash and the directions for bump and jump as well as those activities are in here and the materials that you'll need. So there's a deck of cards and dice and all those things. So you should be ready to go to keep on mathing for quite some time, <clears throat> which kind of makes me think of something. I was uh, down in kindergarten most recently yesterday and a, a group of girls came up to me and said, oh my gosh, Heather, do you realize it's one more sleep until the math party. <laughs> so then I got to thinking, okay, yeah, from a kindergarten perspective, that's how we want them to be thinking. But then when I walked in this morning, it really was a math party. It was so wonderful to see everybody engaged and excited. And um, so as I was leaving, and uh, there was a child who was a little upset because they weren't going to be able to get to all the activities this morning. I said, well, don't worry, they're all going home. Your teachers will give you all the games and the things that you'll need. And his response was, like a goodie bag. It's a party goodie bag. <laughs> so to put it in perspective, when we start out with kindergartners being that excited about math, we are really set up for success. And our goal is to keep kids feeling excited as we're moving forward. Um, so I will periodically be referring to your handouts, but these also will be available when the podcast link comes out. A PDF of everything that you're, that you're taking home today will also be connected. So you had the chance to get a little bit of a feel for what real life kindergarten is like. And the activities that you worked on today are activities that are representative of the math that happens. Kids are actively engaged in learning. They're wrestling with ideas. They're thinking differently. They're thinking divergently. They're looking at different possibilities. They are developing this little competitive sense, which is kind of exciting at times. We just need to kind of temper that. Um, but what I want to do today is um, to give you a sense, going back in time, and what starting to learn new things felt like. And either we just forgot about them or we are repressing those memories. Um, I, I want to just set up for you also a reason why we do what we do. And this is just indicative not just of kindergarten, but what happens in first grade, second grade, third grade, moving on through foot school. So 
we are going to have the chance to do some math this morning. And when I was talking with a couple people earlier today, I said that and their response was, oh, no, that's not right. And certainly don't let your kids see and feel that because they're going to walk away with, oh, it's okay to go, oh, when we talk about math. No, it's yes, we're doing math. Um, so what we're going to do is to focus on the basic facts and how we are learning basic facts. And why do we need to focus on this? Well, the basic facts are really a, a very important solid foundation for learning a lot of other math skills. It's not the be-all end-all, it's not the most important, it is a very critical component. It helps us learn those traditional algorithms, it helps us do mental computation, but we know that being able to remember all those addition facts, subtraction facts, multiplication facts, division facts, can be a little overwhelming, can be a little bit frustrating, not just for the child learning them, but for the families living with the children learning them. It's important to note that if a child isn't acquiring these basic facts, it doesn't mean that they're not doing other good, rich math. They are still having a lot of other rich experiences, but we are actively working to make sure that kids are having more and more connections that they're making in regards to uh, different facts and their answers. So when we talk about basic facts, we're looking at those number combinations up to, for example, in addition, 9 plus 9 or 18 minus 9 for subtraction. We also call these number combinations. So you had the option to play quack and count. What you were working on if you did play quack and count was the number combinations for 7. Those two add-ends, those two numbers that when added together will always equal 7. And there's this mystery and delight all at the same time when kids realize 5 plus 2 will always be 7. And likewise, well, 5 plus 2 is 7 and, and 2 plus 5 is 7. Whoa! It's like mind-blowing that they're actually the same thing. So we could talk about turnaround facts. And how does knowing that 5 plus 2 equals 7 help us figure out a number combination for 8? And we really work on scaffolding that knowledge to build on prior knowledge. We are looking for our ultimate goal to be computational fluency. And there are three really critical factors. And we're looking to find this sweet spot. But we're bouncing around in all of these areas as students are learning and as we're teaching. We want students to be as efficient as possible. While it's fun to engage in mental gymnastics and try to figure out all the different ways to find an answer, it comes a time when we just need to be able to kind of land the plane. We need to get that answer. We need to be able to move forward. Obviously, accuracy is important, although it's really fun to just come up with our own answers. We do have to have a common language, and we do have to have common answers. But really, we're looking at that flexibility component. How can I use what I know about one thing to help me figure out something else? How is it that I can think about the same problem differently? How many different ways can I think about that problem? We have, most likely, a really comfortable sense of being able to add. We've had a lot of experience, some of us more than others, with the addition facts. But it's so hard to kind of think back what was your experience like. And we all have very different experiences depending upon where our schooling was and who our teachers were. What, what we know is really important is that students can be set up for success, especially with basic facts, if they come in knowing their number sequence. 
So the more that we are able to you know, count 1 through 20, the easier it is. But one of the things that they don't necessarily have as youngsters is that sense of bigness and how big 12 is compared to 21, for example, or how big 9 is relative to 19. So while we can rote count, some of those other very important critical notions of number aren't really there, but they're really important in order to be able to master a lot of these facts. So let me hear you count in order from 1 to 20 in whatever language you prefer. Go ahead. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, OK, I'm going to cut you off there, because my guess is you could probably go up to 20. And a lot of our students are still working on that. So we're starting from a point at the beginning of kindergarten where we're still working on counting up to 10, let alone counting beyond 10 to 20. But being able to know those numbers helps us move forward with these skills. So I bet you can all tell me what 1 plus 3 is. Go ahead. Ah, love those risk takers. 4 plus 4? 5 plus 6? And if I was to ask you, well, how do you know it? A lot of people might say, well, I just know it. I memorize it. I just know it. Well, what we know is that memorization really overtaxes the memory and doesn't serve us well in the future. Yeah, I can just memorize something, but if I can't do anything with it and it's an isolated, compartmentalized fact, it's not going to help me with other things. What I want to do is I want to be able to make connections. Let's try this one. Does anybody have a connection? Is there any way that you kind of figured this out? Great, so we've got the idea of using what we know as a fact that we feel comfortable with, 7 plus 7 is 14, and a child might then spring in to say, oh, like on a calendar, two weeks, that's 14 days, that's two sevens. And then what we're doing is we're compensating. So we're using a known fact, and we are tweaking it based upon what else we know. Another thing that a child might say is, well, I know that 7 plus 10 is 17, and I need one less, and I see some heads bobbing. I think one of the most enjoyable things that I can do with a kindergartner is to give them a problem like this and say, so let's find all the different ways to answer this. And so some might say, well, 9 plus 9, and take away 1. And some might say, well, 7, what's missing is 8 and 9. So if I thought of it as 8 plus 8 and making some changes in compensations, trading one, taking one away from the other, that's what the flexibility is about. We do need to land the plane. We do need to get efficient. but. This is all what we are looking for. You're all really good with those numbers. And so being able to add and come up with those answers is going to be an effortless process for most of us. Let's shift gears. We're going to use symbols that you're very comfortable with, letters of the, af of the alphabet. And we're going to now work with those. So just like we know that we can count in numbers, we also know that our kids know the alphabet. So we're just going to count in letters from A to I. So we'll say the alphabet from A to I. A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I. Oh my gosh, you are set to go. <laughs> what we are doing this morning is we are substituting numbers for letters. So we're just kind of taking out of that comfort zone of the numbers that we know and love and feel really comfortable with. And I'm going to set you up with a little bit of discomfort on purpose because that's what kids are feeling as they are learning these basic facts. It's not as automatic for us. It's not as automatic for them as it is for us. So the letters 
A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, and I are going to be the symbols that we use to represent quantities. So this is B. This is A. This is B. What do you think this is? C. You got it. We also know the relative magnitude of numbers. So we generally know what number is, what letter, excuse me, is a bigger letter. We can alphabetize, right? We can go through a dictionary, or we don't need to go through a dictionary now because we have Google. But if we needed to go through a dictionary, we could find, oh, I know that S is a little bit further on in the alphabet than A would be. But what we are going to do is to twist it up. You are going to be solving some addition problems using letters but I have two rules for you. One, you cannot translate letters to numbers, so this is B, not that. And you may not make a chart that so shows that A, I've revised this over the years. I learned from experience. So A is A, not this, right? B is B, not this. But I do have a couple, oh, don't groan yet. <laughs> but I do have a couple tools for you. One tool is in your handout. It's on page two, which is a letter line, which I have up here. This is similar to a number line. In the classroom, we would have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Oh. That hashtag symbol represents this quantity, nothing. And then I also have my letter chart, which is very similar to what you have in the classroom, a hundreds chart. Don't leave now. I know nobody <laughs> needs to leave now. This is what our students are feeling. So considering that, yeah, that's good to laugh. That's good. Considering that, I'm going to have you solve some problems with me, and then I'm going to have you solve some problems in, a, in uh, your handout. As you are working through the problems, keep track of the strategies that you're using. OK, everybody. A plus C is what? Ah, oh, yes. D plus D. E plus F. So we have an AA. Is there another answer? It's AA. Let's try this one. So I'm going to do the horrible thing that we do not do, and I'm going to rush ahead. Um, we would want to be able to get a whole bunch of different answers. We want to also be able to know how you got the answer. We might spend what feels like an inordinate amount of time just on one problem to be able to figure out what strategies people are, are using. You have plenty of time to be doing that and exploring that, and I'm sure you'll do at dinner time. Um, but now what I want you to do is to have 
a turn at doing this on your own. Now, I do have a disclaimer to make, and Cora, you know what I'm going to say. Faster is not smarter. But for the sake of the time that we have here now, I am going to limit your time. There was a time in my history, for sure, when you were supposed to be able to answer a fact within two seconds. And if you couldn't, you stayed in for recess. I mean, essentially, that's what happened. We realize now that there has to be some leeway. And we realize now that, that we have to be efficient and we have to be accurate. But it's not about rushing and speeding and zipping along without any kind of meaning or connection. So again, with this, as in regular everyday classes, you may work with somebody. We know a lot of time we can learn from each other. But just don't give somebody your answers. Just saying, here you go, Fred. No, not OK. But what we want you to do, whoops, I zipped ahead. What I want you to do is to think about the strategies that you're using. And I want to make sure I get you out on time. So I'm actually not going to give you the full two and a half minutes. So don't, <laughs> I'm going to put more pressure on you, right? Um, but just take a few seconds to get started trying to answer the facts on page three. You can answer them in any order you wish, but keep track of the strategies that you're using. So go ahead, give it a shot. stop you for right now, which is, of course, the, the worst thing that a teacher can do is to stop somebody mid-idea. Mid is there anybody who had a particularly useful strategy? What's that? Find all the number signs do all of Oh, so all those pound signs? Is there anybody else who looked at those like, yes, score! OK, so guess what fact we start with when we're teaching facts in isolation? Plus 0. Because those are the ones that we have that meaning of the symbol, and we know the principles around plus 0 and what happens to that. Excellent. Is there somebody who had a different strategy that you tried? So you looked for the, I call it the pound side. I was corrected. No, it's hashtag, whatever. Um, second strategy. Is there another strategy? Start with the Oh, start with those small letters. Well, guess what? There's a reason why we work on sums up to 10 first. We're starting with those smaller numbers. So we're really working on maybe up to 5 plus 5. Is there another strategy? Oh, start with the ones that are the same. So those are those doubles facts. So you know you've got the same quantity here and the same quantity here. Other strategies. Oh, is there anybody who saw, maybe saw A plus B and then later on saw B plus A? So you're kind of tapping into that. You're using your working memory in order to help with that. Is there anybody who saw a plus A or A plus and looked at those and like, yes? Yeah. So we also work on teaching plus one in isolation. Any other strategies? I sort of treat it like a foreign language. Like 
did the math in my head and then translated. So that was the quickest way. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's certainly another strategy. We need to be respectful that that's a way that we have thinkers coming in. And also spatially, whatever seemed to be in, in, that, in this box that you gave us, whatever seemed to be easier to sort of calculate spatially. Yes. And there's something really interesting that I noticed. There was a lot of things like this going on. <laughs> yes! There's actually this, uh, this is off on a slightly different tangent, there's this great body of research that's come out about the necessity for using fingers and the necessity for us having a visual component. It is absolutely critical that there is that bodily kinesthetic visual component and to have that impression being made in your heads. Research neuroscientists have, have shown us that we have that imprint of fingers even though we might not use them. And I mean, case in point, my husband way back, our kids are now in college, but way back when having to calculate what to pay the babysitter, okay, they came at six, so six to seven, seven to eight, eight to nine, 9.30 we got home and all of us, you know. So that's, <laughs> ah, some of you do that too, right? Well, but for some of us, those fingers are in our heads, and, and we're kind of doing this, maybe scooping our heads. But, but the idea is that that visual component is critical. And if we limit finger use, we are actually stifling mathematical development. And it's one of the things that certainly um, countries, especially India, has known for a long time. Um, Asian countries have known and practiced for a very long time. We've always associated there to be shame connected with finger use. No, my gosh, shame on us if we limit it. Um, and if you're interested, shoot me an email. I've got three great um, research articles that I could send along with that information. Um, but what I really want you to do is to think about those strategies and know that we as educators, whether it's kindergarten, fifth grade, ninth grade, know that that developmental sequence and that natural interaction with numbers and the need to develop meaning is something that is bred into the program moving all the way through. I have listed for you just a parent cheat sheet about the sequence of the strategies that we make sure that our kids experience. It does span over several pages because I wanted to also give you the narrative about the words that we are using, the language that we are using, and examples. I also included for you on pages eight and nine, um, 10 frames that have different images on them. And these 10 frames also are great visuals and that's explained in the directions. But what I hope you walk away with is maybe a different sense. So instead of feeling this sense of doom, that maybe if you think back, that might have been your experience learning basic facts or might be something that you're feeling a little bit anxious about. What I hope you're walking away with is actually this sense of joy and hope and trust moving forward that we know that we have different stages to go through. We know what our kids are capable of doing and the foundation is to make sure that our kids are developing number sense, that they're developing operation sense, that they're developing that flexibility of numbers while also developing a true understanding.
so that they own that knowledge and they're able to transfer it. So we use three different approaches. One, which I just had up here briefly, direct modeling, where I actually have cubes set out. I've got a group of three, I have a group of two. One, two, three, four, five, I'm counting all of them. Same thing with fingers. So I'm counting each of those add-ins and then joining them together. The next one is actually counting where, and I, it, for some of you, you might have heard me do this with your child in the classroom. You scoop the larger quantity and then count on. Either you're counting on with fingers, you're counting on with objects. And then we get to the point where there is that derived fact. So you know that the 7 plus 7 equals 14. That's your anchor fact to help you with 7 plus 9. Those types of springboards are particularly helpful. So I did already share with you that you've got the page of strategies that cover all but the leftover facts. And what we love to do in first grade is to have kids come up with their reasoning about this. And so these are the ones that don't fall into the, any of those categories on your paper, but tell me how you can find this out. And, and kids automatically go to, well, plus seven, that's just like plus eight, plus nine. You just have to rob one more away because you need three to make the seven a 10. And then they start to do that. When we get to this point, and this is actually one of our assessment components, we know kids are really knowing numbers. So all of that was just to learn addition. <laughs> if we had more time, we would do subtraction. And of course, we'd have to start by counting back at the hashtag. Want to try? Yeah, I didn't get much of a positive response for that. But anyway, yeah, so this, oh, but we're not supposed to translate. But yes, you got it. Yeah, but this is what our kids are learning and this is just one small component of the math but I wanted to give you a flavor for being the fact that we are so attentive to the needs of our students and carrying them through and creating that structure. Foot Podcasts are a production of the Foot School, an independent school for grades K through 9 located in New Haven, Connecticut. Visit us online at footschool.org.